you want to go. Yes, go travel, go explore, go find a new city, go reconnect with friends, go have fun. That's why we created OnGo, the trusted rapid COVID-19 self-test. OnGo gives you accurate COVID test results and peace of mind in just minutes. So anywhere you go, you know. You'll know if you're COVID-19 free and you'll know you're protecting loved ones. OnGo is readily available at letsongo.com, Amazon, Walgreens, or Walmart.com. Use promo code ONGO15 for 15% off at letsongo.com today. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Good morning, everybody. Dick Gabriel in for The Voice. He has been back from Baton Rouge just a short amount of time, so I'm sure he's still uh, getting his beauty sleep. So we are happy to sit in for Tom Leach this morning, although not happy about, of course, what happened last night in Baton Rouge. Certainly a star-crossed game. Kentucky started out, you know, fairly well, then almost immediately loses Savir Wheeler, falls behind, and Jacob Toppin helps the Wildcats take command in that game. But we all know what happened in the second half. We're still trying to figure out what happened at the end of the game. That was one of the most bizarre endings to a game that I've seen in a long, long time. And in terms of regular season games, that was maybe, well, clearly one of the, excuse me, one of the most disappointing that I can remember in the regular season. It's not the same, of course, as a uh, NCAA tournament game because there is the finality of that one. So you've just got to put it behind you. If you're a Kentucky fan, if you're a Kentucky player, you learn from it. You don't dwell on it because it was just, a combination, a perfect storm, if you will, to use the uh, the cliche. Everything went wrong that could go wrong, but Kentucky was its own worst enemy at times. So we'll talk about all of that this morning with our guest, Chris Fisher from 247 Sports and the Cats Paws. He'll also get us caught up on recruiting. Keith Farmer from the UK TV network, BBN Tonight, BBN Game Day as well. K-Man was down in Orlando, so we'll get his thoughts on the Kentucky football game. And Christy Thomas of the U.K. Network will talk football as well with Christy and basketball, too, as the U.K. women will play tomorrow night, knock on wood, and they have rescheduled a game as well. And that brings us to our Wildcat News of the Day, presented by Giuseppe's. Check out their new climate-controlled patio and the drive through window for orders to go. Another postponement, this one in gymnastics. U.K. was to compete uh, at number 12. Arizona, Kentucky's ranked 13th. But there are health and safety protocols happening out in Tempe. So Arizona State has said just stay home, and the Wildcats indeed will do that. They will try to decide today whether or not to reschedule that game or that match, I should say. The U.K. women have rescheduled the Mississippi State game, which was to be uh, tomorrow night, that's going to be played on the 13th of this month. So everybody's got to be flexible. And, of course, the SEC has updated its policies and is not causing teams to forfeit. 
We're back in a minute. It is the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. From the Clark Pump and Shop studio, Dick Gabriel with you. Sitting in for the voice of the Wildcats here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Let us go to our first guest who is up early with us after uh, watching Kentucky last night, of course. Chris Fisher of 247 Sports and the Cats Balls. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you. I don't know about you, and I know you've seen a lot of Kentucky basketball, but that was one of the weirdest games I've seen just because, Chris, of the way the pages kept turning on the, on the story, you know, with Wheeler out, and then suddenly, well, not suddenly, but Sheboy picks up his second foul, and we can discuss, you know, pulling people after two fouls and sitting them. Uh, you know, Grady ice cold, really the whole team from beyond the arc again, like they were reliving the Notre Dame game. But because of Wheeler's loss, it seemed as though I was really curious to see how this team would respond as everybody was, given what happened at Notre Dame. But then, because Wheeler was so ineffective there, but then the cold shooting kind of short-circuited that, you know. It was just an odd game. Yeah, it really was. Um, And I'm not exactly sure what you can glean from it, you know, as far as the grand scheme of things. Kentucky has struggled in its two true road games, and that's nothing new for John Calipari coach teams. I thought this team would be a little bit different just because of the experience factor with uh, with the transfers, with Oscar Sheboy and Sevier Wheeler and Kellen Grady. Those guys have played a lot of college basketball, and Kentucky is, isn't as reliant on freshmen uh, as they typically are. But you mentioned the loss of Severe Wheeler and uh, the loss of Ty Ty Washington for a big stretch there in the second half. And you want to credit Kentucky for battling through that and battling through that uh, that adversity. And then you look at the last you know twelve minutes of the game. They're three for twelve from the field. They're yeah. three of seven from the free throw line. Seven turnovers and. You know, that's not even to mention that crazy last sequence where you fight back and you ha- you give yourself a chance to win and then you throw the ball away and then you come up with it and you throw it away again. And I- I'm not sure I can recall another closing sequence that was as frenetic uh, as that was. And so, uh, you know, coming off, you know, coming away from last night's game, I think it's clear how much they depend on severe wheeler uh, to kind of be that engine that point guard uh, that organizer for them that that you know kind of sets the table for for everything else um and um but you know struggling shooting the ball is clearly an issue they got hot early in the second half for that one stretch but outside of that it's been really tough sledding as far as uh, you know shooting the ball and the losses to uh, to Notre Dame and LSU. I think you're right on there. And let me backtrack to one thing you brought up that I had failed to bring up already. You know, and I, I didn't see much of a mention of it in any of the accounts I've read, and I've read a few, but their free throw shooting was atrocious. And now, mm-hmm. you know, LSU's was not much better, but it was a little bit better. But Kentucky had so many more opportunities and this is a team that ordinarily shoots pretty well from the free throw line. That was bizarre as well. 
I don't know that I'm ready to say this is not a good shooting team because coming in, Calipari himself, that's one of the few absolutes he had. We will be able to shoot the ball. Now, I would always mention C.J. Frederick, but even without him, uh, Mintz has been a decent shooter. Grady, of course, we know about him. but And we saw Grady go on those two different streaks, cold and then hot. And then Jacob Toppin comes in and, and hits shots and plays phenomenally, and then he disappears. So, yeah, it was. you talk about a roller coaster of emotions. Uh, was that, do you think, simply because the steadying hand of Wheeler was not there? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think you also have to give credit to LSU. They're one sure. of the best defensive teams in the country for a reason. Uh, they have long athletic guys at every position that can, you know, switch one through five more or less. And they have five guys that enjoy defending. And that is not a trait that you find very often. Those guys love to get after you. They love to put pressure on you. And uh, with your top two ball handlers out of the game, I think that was obvious in the second half. Kentucky committed uh, 15 turnovers. I think five different players had at least two. So Kentucky clearly uh, struggled in that regard. I think coming into the season, I think everyone thought that this would be a really good shooting team. Uh, I think Kellen Grady is is by far their best perimeter shooter. Uh, I think Ty Ty Washington isn't far behind, but he doesn't shoot a ton of threes. I mean, he more so operates in that mid-range game, those pull-ups, those floaters, yeah. uh, those 15-footers is, is the area where he really uh, excels. But what you have to remember, I th- Kentucky's two best shooters percentage-wise are not playing. C.J. Frederick is out for the season. I think a lot of people expected him to come in and contribute right away. And then you have Dante Allen, who shot the ball really, really well, uh, You know, single-handedly won the game at Mississippi State last season, uh, single-handedly brought Kentucky back in the Mississippi State game in the SEC tournament. And he's not playing very much right now. And, and when he has played, he hasn't shot the ball well this season. No. And so I think that has hurt uh, Kentucky's perimeter shooting and uh, obviously the the road environments have as well. Chris Fisher, my guest, he, of course, is a reporter, recruiting analyst, and staff writer for 247 Sports and the Catchballs. We're talking about Kentucky's loss at LSU last night. And I'm glad you brought that up about LSU's defense. And I was a little puzzled that Chin Coleman, he didn't totally dismiss it out of hand, but he seemed a bit skeptical about LSU's defense, but results speak for themselves. And I'm talking about results going into last night's game. But there was a point there where the Kentucky offense in the first half, Chris, was really clicking, and so much of that had to do with Jacob Toppin. What do you make of his disappearance in the second half? Yeah, you know, I think last night he probably played more minutes than he's used to and, and maybe wore down towards uh, towards the end of the game. But it just looked like Kentucky couldn't get anything going offensively. Outside of that Oscar Sheepway dunk in the final 12 minutes, I don't recall them uh, – getting even a decent look, much less making a shot over that, you know, 10-minute stretch there in the second half where I think, you know, LSU went on a 20-3 to run and turned a 50-41 to deficit into, like, I think it was a 60-52 lead. Um, But Kentucky looked disorganized. They looked disheveled. They looked 
rattled, I think, by the LSU pressure. And, and that'll happen when you don't have your top two ball handlers uh, on the floor at the same time. And um, guys look out of position. Guys look lost. And, and, you know, that shows you the value of a severe wheeler and a Ty Ty Washington, guys that can get players organized, get them in, the, in, in their spots, and get them in the ball in a position to score. And I think Kentucky definitely uh, – uh, miss that down the stretch and it's hard it's hard to win on the road in conference in any conference and LSU is a quality team again they're one of the best defensive teams in the country but you mentioned the uh, 10 of 20 free throws oh. it's it's hard enough to win on the road if you go 10 for 20 you have virtually <laughs> no chance uh, right. to to pull out a road win and so um, that that obviously made things much much more difficult well, you know, Wheeler's going to want to be back Saturday because Georgia's coming to town, his former team, so we'll all find out together whether or not he'll be able to go. Chris Fisher of 247 Sports and the Cash Balls. Thank you, brother. All right. Thank you. Take care. Coming up, Keith Farmer of the UK TV Network, BBN Tonight. Back in a minute. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabriel in for Tom Leach. Leach Report, of course, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Joining us now, Keith Farmer from the UK TV Network, BBN Tonight. Up early, he's a TV guy, who, and those, those are creatures of the night, but uh, came in up early. How are you this morning? A little bleary-eyed? <laughs> Uh, just a little bit, but that's okay. It's, um, you know, it is what it is. I've, it's, it's I've been in job. business long enough now, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's the glamour part of the job, too, because you're pulled in so many directions. Uh, your thoughts on watching that game last night that just had so many layers, and Kentucky fans will say it was like an onion. You kept peeling away layers, and in the end, it, it really was a stinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it was just kind of a tell two halves, kind of, but, uh, you know, they were kind of lucky to be hanging around in the first half just the way they shot the ball so poorly and losing your point guard and you know and then you know, get into the second half and they start shooting the ball better and and had the lead and just couldn't finish it off and you know kind of hard to put your finger on it it's you know again probably just not having your point guard and your backup point guard yeah. at that point in the second half when you, you know they kind of started faltering you know, we, we might sneak a look at the Vanderbilt-Arkansas game, believe it or not, and, and take a lesson from that because Vandy upsets Arkansas out there at Arkansas, Scotty Pippen Jr. playing in front of Dad, who went to college in Arkansas. And mm-hmm. Vandy didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but was 10 of 25 from the arc and 19 of 26 from the free throw line. You look at Kentucky's numbers, they're, they're not even close. You know, and that, that's how you pick up a win on the road, isn't it? Oh, for sure. You know, when you're, yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's the things I think, you know, even in the pregame, I think I heard, uh, you know, Tom and, uh, and Mike Pratt talking about, or maybe it was early in the game about, you know, how, how they were doing in those areas. And, um, you know, when you're on the road, I, I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, just saying you, you have to shoot, you know, above 75% from the free throw line. You've got to knock down shots, you know, because that's, uh, the, especially on the free throws, those are the give, gimmies. You know, those are the easy ones that that you get, and uh, and you got to take advantage and make sure you you hit those shots. So, 
Um, yeah, it, it was just kind of a poor shooting. I mean, when your your best three point shooter, you know, Kellen Grady goes four of twelve and really didn't start hitting until the second half. Um, anyway, um, it was a struggle from the outside. Yeah, you know, and and he had hit twenty of his last thirty one or something insane like mm. that. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, again, uh, I credit LSU really, uh, you mm-hmm. know, sending people after shooters. And in the second half, LSU, I felt like Keith extended the defense, put a little more mm-hmm. pressure out, away, uh, even beyond the arc, but still managed to keep Kentucky. And I guess that's because Wheeler wasn't there and Ty Ty was beginning to cramp up. Really kept Kentucky from, from uh, what, what was Jay Billis kept calling it, you know, just getting the ball into the paint, essentially. And uh, and they doubled and even Ty at times tripled Oscar Sheboy. So LSU proved why it's such a good defensive team. Uh, and yeah, one, not, one yeah, of the tops in the nation, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's not the last time Kentucky's going to see that kind of defense, is it? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, you'll have maybe a little bit of a blueprint, but I, I mean, I, I think, you know, some teams are just focused on that yeah. maybe a, a little bit more than others. And, you know, for the most part, Kentucky was doing that during that four-game stretch. They were playing some pretty good defense that led to offense. Um, and, you know, I don't know, maybe, again, this is a team that has to figure it out on the road because, obviously, in two true road games, they've uh, just not not played their best. Uh, I don't know if the crowd's getting to them. Uh, Again, I think this this is almost like one of those horse races that you throw out, right? Because, (laughs) I mean, I hate to say that, and and they are going to learn some things from it, but, I mean, Savir, I've meant to look this up, and I'm going to look it up later for BBN tonight. But how many minutes, you know, was he averaging? You know, yeah, and that you I, it had to be in the 30s, right? It is, um, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So I mean, <laughs> you take him out of the equation, all of a sudden it's like, uh oh, you know. But then you get into the second half, you got the lead, and now your backup point guard goes out. And and I know Jacob Toppin was asked afterwards, "Have you ever even, you know?" done that in practice where you didn't have either of them on the court and he said occasionally they do and it's mainly five on five um uh you know when when they aren't on the same team so uh, you know it's it, it had to be tough it had to be a shocker because wheeler is so fast with the ball and just so good at finding open players um that that even just losing him and and not you know taking tie tie out of the equation i mean had to be tough after a game like that i often ask myself all right if i had known going in there would essentially be no no Savir Wheeler mm-hmm. for half the game, no Oscar for another half of the game, Ty Ty Washington, and then I don't even factor in the shooting. But if I said, oh by the mm-hmm. way, you're gonna miss half your free throws, I would have said there's no chance they can win that game. Sure, they had, they had a huge chance at the end in the final minutes, didn't they? In 20 seconds or less, uh, were you screaming at the TV? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of, you know, turnovers that were just kind of really caused by that LSU defense because, you know, uh, that and the moment of being, you know, just the time yeah. uh, situation. Uh, and I think Oscar, I don't know, he turned around, probably saw both guys and just yeah, turned and wheeled real fast. That's right. Didn't give it a That's good right. look and, you know, gave it up. And then, you know, they still had a chance down three yeah. and – I'm thinking they're going to get fouled, and uh, I think it was uh, Pinson knocked the ball away. Got to hit a break, came out. I'll be back with you in just a minute. Stay with us. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. 
Welcome back to the Leach Report. Dick Gabrielin for the voice of the Wildcats. Coming to you from the Clark's Pumpkin Shop studio. Tom, of course, uh, late traveling last night, coming back to Baton Rouge from that star-crossed game. We will shift with our guest, Keith Farmer of BBN tonight, to a happier topic. That is Kentucky football. K-Man was in Orlando with uh, an army of people from BBN tonight, BBN game day, covering the Citrus Bowl. And you talk about a game with layers, Keith. And, and I know that, that you were thinking as the first half unfolded, I know what I'm going to say or the angles I'm going to take on my post-game report. And then suddenly you were rewriting it in your head, weren't you? Then you had to rewrite it again. Those games, are yeah. I mean, we all run into that. But uh, that was one. I was a great football game, I thought. What did you see? Uh, it was incredible. And everybody you talked to is just like, wow, what a great game. But, but you're right. I mean, I, I think I, I'd like to know what the newspaper, I need to ask those newspaper guys uh, a little bit about how they were handling that because <laughs> – um, you know how it is. You, you brought up the point of, you know, in your head, you're like, okay, here's what I'm thinking, you know. But also, at the same time, we now have to write a story that we put up on our website. And so, yeah, I was like, you know, I'm writing along, like, all the scores that are taking place. But then you'd leave that top part, you know, yep. <laughs> and the bottom part in the headline. And, and so, yeah, I think at one point I had it written, Kentucky, you know, goes on to win this. And then you got to the end, and Iowa makes a comeback. And all of a sudden, I start writing it about, how Kentucky had their three-game bowl win streak snapped and all this, and <laughs> then I had to erase that. <laughs> and quickly, since they scored with you know about a minute left, yep. uh, you know I had to go back and, and write it again. So uh, it was a, it was a roller coaster of emotions. And, and you know the best thing was uh, we saw a tweet from Phil Hoskins, and he's like, "Is this what it's really like for you fans?" Because <laughs> he was going through it as well. You know the, <laughs> the former Wildcat. Yep, yep. And, and yeah, it's funny because I, I guess obviously when the players are right in the middle of it. Uh, that emotional roller coaster is there, but but they can vent their aggressions on the other guys. And you know, even if Kentucky had fallen short, it still would have been a great game. But but like you said, it would have snapped the winning streak. It, you know, would have been it would have been a lot of different things. But the fact that Kentucky wins at Keith with it was in kind of an odd parallel. And I tweeted this last night. Calipari's thinking, man, how many more players can I lose? And Mark Stoops is thinking, you don't know nothing about losing players. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I will tell you the truth. Before the game, when I, I heard Josh Pascal's definitely out and Tom had come back from practice and was telling us kind of on the sly what the coaches were telling him because, of course, they trust him with things and he doesn't announce it until it's official. Uh, but when he started talking about the kids who weren't going to be there and then Jacquez Jones, I mean, I see him mm-hmm. standing there with his helmet looking like like his puppy was gone. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, how do they, there's no way they can win this game. And, and and yet somehow they do. Um, it, it was just incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? No, I mean you know we're uh, all the UK fans probably were thinking, oh good, I was without its top running back. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, woohoo, and yeah, I know. And then Kentucky's like, oh yeah, uh, you know, take a look at this. Yeah, you know, okay, and right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, for for them to to come out and to be as focused as they were to have players that were still hurt, still playing, to have players that are in the transfer portal go out there and give it their all, I think that to me was the more special thing to see what they did. And, and, you know, just to still never quit, you know, just to keep uh, plugging along. I mean, they really take, um, you know, their head coach's persona and they just, you know, they don't run from a fight, you know, and and, um, give it their all out there. And that's what's made this team so special. This program's been built. Daryl Bird wrote about it that uh, that was pure Youngstown 
what Kentucky oh, yeah. showed. You know, as you said, reflecting the personality of its head coach. And, you know, I was going to ask a question at the press conference you were at prior to the game of Kirk Ferentz about the personality of the team and what, you know, teams reflect the coach's personality. And I was going to ask Ferentz because he knew Stoops fairly well. You know, did mm-hmm. he see that in Kentucky? But somebody kind of took my question, so I went in a different direction. But that's exactly what happened. Well, looking at the aftermath, now you're looking at a Wandale Robinson and a DeAndre Square, among others, who are mm-hmm. leaving but could come back. And somebody hinted on Twitter yesterday that uh, Robinson might come back for a huge NIL deal because it's going to be available. But really, Keith, I think what people forget is these guys who are thinking about leaving, and I don't blame them, they've all got the opportunity to be evaluated by the NFL and get that letter that says, we see you drafted XYZ. So it's a little premature, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Will Levis even, you know, was going that route and then all of a sudden quickly made the decision to come back. So, um, you know, you don't fault the guys because you've got to figure out where you stand to help you make that decision. So, yeah, you've got to do that. Yeah. And now, if Wandale came back, can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know that he'd match what he'd get for signing with an NFL team. My only question is, how much better can that guy get, you know? I'm telling you, the the ball that he caught over the middle where he just got hammered, oh. I'm like, how did he hang on to that yeah. ball? I mean, you know, just to, just to make the catch first off, but then how do you hang on to it as you're diving full out, get totally hit, and, and still hangs on to the ball? That's was maybe the more impressive catch of the day. If ever there were an indication to the NFL that this guy can play big boy football, that was it. But mm. the one, I, the one I liked the most, of course, was the one at the end where he, <laughs> yeah. you know, the fifty-two yarder. And I, I talked to him on the radio after the game, and I said, "You jam your foot in the ground, almost come to a stop, and change directions. Why don't more receivers do that?" But he said, "I don't know. I've been doing that since I was six. So maybe we'll see that from other receivers, at least in the Kentucky receivers room. Keith Farmer, BBN tonight, BBN game day. Thank you, brother. See you down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, Dick. All right, and we'll be back in just a minute with more of the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Dick Aberlin for The Voice, who is just back a few hours from Baton Rouge. So glad to sit in here at the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, which this morning is my garage. And happy to be joined by a longtime friend and colleague, part of the UK Sports Network coverage of Kentucky football, and of course, part of the SEC Plus Network coverage of UK women's basketball. Christy Thomas, good morning, young lady. Hey, good morning. Are we still saying Happy New Year, or is it too late for that? I'm good with it. You know, you can say it all month. That, that's what <laughs> if you want. And uh, Christy, of course, with young kids, so she's up early anyway. So <laughs> I'm glad yeah. to have you along. We'll get to football in just a minute, but uh, the UK women will play Georgia uh, tomorrow night. They've rescheduled the Mississippi State game, so... One game they played, last played Christie on December 19th after losing that Auburn game. They had a long layoff anyway between games uh, between uh, Upstate and Auburn, and now they play Georgia. So do you think they'll be rusty, or are they going to come charging out of the gate like quarter horses? 
Well, you know, I think it, it's, it could be a little bit of both. You know, even, even if you do have a lot of energy and you come out playing really hard um, and hustling and that kind of thing, you still are really um, rusty when you've been playing each other for so long. So I think it's, it's a weird thing to say both, but I do believe that. I think it's, um, you know, you can play hard and have some good energy, but, but it does. I'll tell you, I think when, when you play and you haven't played in a while, um, it's those first three minutes of a game that really sort of like smack you right in the face. So you've got to almost get that, uh, your second win can kind of hit you about, uh, that seven minute mark somewhere along the way where you're like, okay, all right, now we're back. Your legs start to feel back a little bit. Um, but that's, that's a tough layoff. I mean, no matter how you slice it, that's a long time. Um, and you know, they, they of course have, have been practicing and you've been doing their workouts and, and weight training and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a long time. Their losses have come to Indiana, DePaul, Louisville, uh, and DePaul, a really fine three-point shooting team. We know how good Louisville is. Uh, I'm wondering, where do you think this team is in its development, Christy? Should we be expecting more? And I know Ryan Howard struggled a bit. Yeah, I think we should. I mean, you know, I think it's it's uh, from a scenario of um, being able to put together a full 40 minutes. I don't know that we've, we've necessarily seen that, we, with the exception of maybe the West Virginia game. I do think we saw a complete game that yeah. they finally put together and played for a full 40 minutes. But then outside of that, I think we've seen flashes of it. Um, and we've seen situations where, you know, some of their key players have gotten into foul trouble and that's really affected their ability to generate some offense. Um, we've seen them, them have some people that can plug in, um, you know, like a Jada Walker or, or, uh, Robin Benton that can really plug in on the defensive end and give them some energy that way without, um, Dreonna Edwards or Ryan Howard when they're in foul trouble. But we haven't necessarily seen that flow and that real consistency and efficiency on offense when those players aren't in. And, um, you know, I think that's where, where we've seen some of that struggle come. So, um, you know, I think still looking to try to put together a full 40 minutes on both end of the, ends of the floor. And this is a team I think we've already seen has to play well defensively in order to get their offense going. I mean, they, ha- they need to score in transition. They're better when they score in transition. They can score a lot of different ways and they can shoot the three and do things like that. Um, but that you know, getting those getting those baskets at the rim, those easy buckets, to then be able to um, drive and kick and knock down three point shots are, are really where I think uh, they are their best. Uh, Kyrie Elsey at times favors that pressure defense, uh, extending it uh, almost full court, but not every minute of every game the way Matthew Mitchell did. And I know every coach has to walk their own path. Do you think this team has, has struggled adjusting to that? Um, I'm not sure if it's really where that lies, to be honest with you, because I think they have been really effective when they, when they're in that one, two, one, one, um, press, they've got enough athletes and enough size and length at the top of that press to really affect what a team can do offensively and really being able to try to get into a half court offense. Um, and they, that's where they're really forcing their turnovers. I think the backside of that press oftentimes gets beat. And um, those are some things they have to get corrected and, and some things they've got to start to figure out. But um, and, and that's the biggest issue with the press is when you're getting pressure in the backcourt and you're actually you're winning there, but then you don't uh, have the correct rotations or you fall asleep a little bit or they're able to pass out of that and really make like almost even, you know, a cross-court pass or, or a pass in the middle um, then, then they, then you're beat. And so, um, you know, that's, that's some of the, of the places I've seen this, this press be exposed. 
that um, if they can make some of those corrections, well, like I say, they've got the speed, they've got athletes to be able to do it. It's um, just maybe getting a little more comfortable with it and, um, you know, having the legs to be able to do it for a full 40 minutes is tough. Christy Thomas joining us. She is color analyst on the SEC Network Plus games for Kentucky women's basketball, working with Jeff Bacoro. That game is still on the schedule as being on Plus, correct? Yes, that's right. You guys are working tomorrow night. All right. Yes. And uh, give give your boy credit, Jeff Bacoro. Uh, he had terrible food poisoning down in Orlando <laughs> Friday night. Texted us Saturday morning. I hear you giggling. Uh, he said, I, I can't go. But just as we had lined up a substitute, I mean literally at the same time, he texted and he said, I'm coming in. So, uh, yeah, he grabbed his helmet and played the full the fullest. Well, listen, minutes. the only reason why I chuckle is because we had him on the pregame show to talk a little bit with us. And, and oh, he was talking like about it. Oh, a Trisket, didn't he? Yeah, and I, yes, he said, what are you doing eating oysters at a sports bar? Like, I mean, there's some places you eat certain foods and other places you just don't, you know. So, lesson learned for him, for sure. One of the team doctors said... Oysters at a sports bar, that's one cut above getting sushi at a gas station. So, <laughs> I would agree. Lesson right. learned. I guess, yeah. well, I guess you're thinking, no, you're down in Orlando, you're down in yeah. Florida. It ought to be good no matter Near where you ocean. are. So. Yeah, no. yeah, well, no, look, he, he gets the the, uh, the Blue Heart Award, as they yeah. would call it, at the Catsby's at UK. Yeah, good call. Uh, well, let us talk a little bit of football. You were not, you had other commitments, were not able to make the trip. But uh, what was what was your reaction? I was just telling uh, uh, Keith Farmer that had I been given the list of players pregame who would not be available and then go down hurt prior to the game, I would have said there's no way they're even in this game. I, I still don't believe they won. What do you say? Uh, well, I totally agree with that. And I think that with the, the way things were going in that second half and the way things were happening and, and unfolding – um, was reminiscent to me of the the first Citrus Bowl, and I'll tell you why. When I, clearly, that was a game against Penn State that we won as well too. But um, in that second half of that game, and even into the to mid, about midway through the third quarter, I moved down to the field to watch the game, and I, you could just start to sense the momentum shifting in Penn State's favor, oh, yeah. and you could start to see and feel it, that was very palpable. It was very odd because you could start to. to to see the energy being drained out of the U.K. sideline or the, the fan base. And so there were lots of things happening with that that just felt that way to me, of course, at home watching it. started to feel that way where you're like you're just getting the absolute life sucked out of you and you can't stop it. And, and it felt that way with Iowa in that second half that that's what they were doing. And I kept thinking how with, without those players, <clears throat> excuse me, to your point that you're talking about that are out, where do we and how do we find – a way to stop that bleeding, and can we stop that bleeding? And then, you know, in that last drive, you just thought, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm talking about right there. Yeah. So um, it, it was it was a game that I thought was hard to watch because of that, because I just yeah. kept thinking, we're better than this. You know, Kentucky is better than this. And so um, to see them be able to find a way to win, even in a game that I think maybe you think, uh, did we really deserve to win that game? Should we? You know, I, I'm of the opinion a win's a win, and I don't care how you got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was that that game sort of had one of those feels like you go how did we even get that done like I'm not even sure how that happened but um, you know for the first time in my lifetime it just sort of felt like the football gods were finally in favor of Kentucky rather than against them. Yeah, although the football gods toyed with Kentucky's emotions going into the game, like I will take this player from you, I will take that yes. player, and uh, yes. what a story we all know about Wandale and we all know about Levis and everything, but. Well, DeAndre Square literally playing on one leg. I wrote about this, Christy. 
they they had to carry him into the locker room. Two managers had picked him up off the ground to carry him to the trainer's room. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. Well, I'll tell you. So two things I'll tell you about that. Before the game and the pregame show, I, we, we always pick a, an impact player of the game, right. and that's who I picked. And I, I picked him simply because I've loved him all year long. I just like the, the man he's become. I like the player that he is. Um, I like the leader that he's become. All the things that you want to see in a player's development from their freshman year until now, I feel like DeAndre Square checks those boxes. And so I have loved watching him play and watching his development. So that's number one. That, that's one of the reasons why I picked sure. him. Um, but, but then sort of seeing that whole thing happen. And that one thing I said in, in the, the show open before we ever even started talking about the game is games like this, is where legends are made. This is a game. These are games where people will say, "Remember when? Oh yeah, don't you remember that year yeah. that DeAndre Square was playing on one leg?" Like people remember those kind of things and will talk about them for years to come. And not everybody is up to the challenge of being that and can, and can be that. And so I just think that he's a guy that I'm. It doesn't surprise me that he was the one. Um, what does surprise me is how someone can find the strength to be able to do that and kind of answer the call in that way and, and, and what feels like a superhuman kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's remarkable. And I think it's, again, another one of those, you know, you, 10 years from now when he comes back to a U.K. game and gets, gets announced down there on the field, you know, people are going to lose their minds because they're going to remember that moment and remember what kind of player he was in, in that game. Fully agree with you. Christy, thank you so much. We'll be, well, I'll see you at the game tomorrow night, but folks can watch Christy and Jeff work Kentucky, Georgia on SEC Plus tomorrow night. And, of course, you can hear it thanks to Darren Hedrick and the UK Sports Network. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. And we're back to close up this edition of the Leach Report. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Thanks again to our guest today, Chris Fisher of 247 Sports and the Cats Boss, Keith Farmer from BBN Tonight, BBN Game Day, the UK TV Network, Christy Thomas, UK Sports Network and SEC Plus, and producer John Alden sitting in for Shannon the Dude, who's off this week. The uh, Billy and the Dude show coming up next right here on most of these same stations, so uh, just hang around for that. A couple of headlines for you, uh, non-UK sports-related, but Jamar Chase named the AFC Offensive Player of the Week. I would think so. Man, what a game he and the Bengals had in that win uh, this past Sunday. That was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, here's something that was, I'm sure Tom Leach, even in his sleep, knows if he's still asleep, knows something is up with horse racing. Fox Sports has picked up the rights to the Belmont Stakes from NBC. It's an eight-year deal, and it will be announced formally later today. If you go to the Catchpaws website, 247sports.com, you'll read about Barry and Brown. He's a high school All-American and a 4A uh, performer, and he is working out of the All-American Bowl. So uh, he's a guy who signed with the Wildcats, the Wildcats last month and maybe one of the guys first in line to catch passes from Will Levis if indeed Wandale Robinson decides to leave. So whether Wandale comes back or not, uh, I'm thinking that Brown will be on the field catching passes. That'll do it. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. 
Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.